Welcome to episode six of Bang on the Drum. In this episode, we do a deep dive into Wisconsin recruiting uh, with our good buddy, Andy Keel. I was actually blown away at how much info he had for us. And that interview went pretty long to go with it, but it's all good stuff. So if you're into recruiting, you're really going to like that. What do you think of that one, Mike? Uh, so very, very good. So I was very surprised how in-depth he was as well. I knew he would have a lot of information about the Badgers. I didn't know that it would necessarily get that deep. Oh, yeah. We, we get into the weeds with that. Um, so if you like college recruiting and Wisconsin football, you and you don't have time to look stuff up, man, he, he looked it up for us. I think we're definitely going to have him back on the show again uh, for some Wisconsin minutes because – I, I didn't even know he was that big of a fan going into that. But, but like I said, we have a really deep dive breakdown into Wisconsin recruiting. I think it's relevant at the time. Um, then we get the show kicked off like normal. We're going to go over our picks from last week. Mike was kind of on a heater. I was not so much. Uh, then after that, we're going to make the next week's picks. And we're going to roll into it. So, Let's get this episode going. This is Banging on the Drum. So how are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing well. So we talked about like the weather up here that it was supposed to get super nice, right? Well, it got up to like 70. And then the winds were like 70 miles an hour. So a tree in my front yard went down, a bunch of siding blew off the house. So I've been working. So I get off the, I get out of work, take my vacation for over Christmas. And now just doing bullshit, just doing bullshit. How things going down there? Oh, they're going great. I was going to say, I hope you're doing good. Cause you look like hammered dog shit over there. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I'm looking a little rough today, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, no, things are going great down here. Um, I've been living the dream in Brazil. I've actually, I don't think I've ever had a better time in my life. We went to this little city. It's called Capitolia. If you get a chance, look it up. This city is the coolest city I've ever been to, like bar none. And I'm not even just kidding. Like it's like mountains, but it's like, you know, when your computer goes on like freeze and then you open it up and it's like a picture of like a beautiful place yep yeah that's that's this place like that that's like you're like where the fuck is that place like how does that exist and i was there for a weekend and oh man it was absolutely beautiful and in this town they had more dogs than people and it was great like the, the people of the city take care of these dogs, too. There's, like, dog beds all over the city, like, water out for dogs, like, just roaming the street. Someone told me, like, people try to, like, take these dogs in and, like, adopt them. But, like, the dogs just, like, get out and they live <laughs> live the life they had before they got there. Nice. That, that being said, I'm pretty sure that's why there's no squirrels in Brazil. There's just too many wild dogs just chase them out. Yeah. That so being in being in other countries makes you kind of realize 
that we don't have wild dogs. No. Right. San Antonio has got, I'm sure there's places that have some, but, um, for the most part, we don't have wild dogs hanging around and like doing crazy shit. And when you go into these other countries, they're kind of all over the place in the cities. Dude, there are some beautiful dogs there too. Like dogs that people in the United States, like these dogs are running wild and people in the United States will pay thousands of dollars for these dogs. Yeah. I seen a German shepherd, like just a wild German shepherd. <laughs> that <laughs> seems like a dangerous fucking dog. No, dude, he's a sweetheart. Or, yeah, I think it was a he. I, I checked I checked him out. He was, yeah, you grabbed <laughs> his balls. <laughs> no, yeah, I made sure they were still there. I was like, you better, you better be able to get some puppies in this town. But Capitolia, most beautiful city I have ever been in. It, it was absolutely breathtaking. Um, if you ever get the chance to go to Brazil, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. I think it's on the come up. I want to invest in a property on that that place because, <laughs> oh yeah, dude, that's that's where you want to retire right there. There you go. All right, and I already broke the golden rule that I was going to talk about in the intro. So this this is what I want to see. So. So apparently we've been saying the F word too much. I don't think Mike's dropped it yet this episode. Mike Mike did a good job. We pre-recorded uh, with Keel about the, the bad. So I probably did with Keel at some point. I don't think you did because I was kind of paying attention. So what we are going to do for you guys, we're going to exchange the F word that we always say, and we're going to put fart in there. So No, we, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we are. And I don't give a fart what you think about it. So all right. So I think that that word, so I'll try, I'll I'm gonna avoid the word, right? So I think that word is a like a pause for me. Yeah, it definitely is. Right. So it's a place filler. And I do that with other words, like is one of them, but the F word I think is one too. Because my friends were like, do you guys, do you have to tell Mike to like consciously not say the F word? And I was like, kind of, but yeah, uh-huh. but, but yeah. <laughs> all right. So we're going to be saying fart instead of fuck from now on. And, and now to the next segment. We'll you mean fart it. instead of fart? Yeah. We're going to say fart instead of fart. So now we're going to roll into Mike's spicy meatballs. Let, let's hear what you got for a spicy meatball this week. Oh, so I don't know what I got this week. Um, so playing off of um, Andy coming on, I think that he's spot on with the Paul Chris thing. Um, everybody expects us to jump into the next echelon of college teams. Now, let, let me get, let me say one thing real quick. Remember the Keel interview is coming after this, so people don't know what Keel said. So say say what he was saying, and then so so he's basically saying that Paul Chris is a really good coach. He can recruit really well, and I would agree with that a hundred percent. That he is what we've had with the Wisconsin Badgers forever, and that's all we're ever going to have is a team that can um, jump into a um, like a national title type game maybe once every five years. Outside of that, we're not going to make it. We're not going to be there more than that. 
you know, once every five years, we might have an 11 or 12 win team that really has a good opportunity to go to the national tournament. Outside of that, we're going to have our eight to 10 win game, 10 win seasons, and we'll be happy being a plus team. And we've been a plus team forever. And it's good to be a plus team. And I get that people want something more. We just aren't that. Yeah. And we're not going to get that guy in there. So I think the only way you can start really making an argument to fall or to fire Chris is like if the Badgers have two losing seasons in a row. Yeah. Like Like a losing season, like miss bowls. Yeah. Right. If we miss bowls, then I can understand people talking about getting rid of them. Even if we were just went six and six for like three years straight, that would probably get me like going towards it. But to find another like elite level coach that wants to stay in Madison and isn't going to jump to the big job, it's going to be tough. I know it appears that we have that in Leonard at the defensive coordinator position, but who's to say that him moving from defensive coordinator to head coach allows him to actually be successful? We yeah. see that in the NFL all the time. The guys move from coordinator to coach and they can't do it. And they move back. The best example I see right now is uh, Dan Quinn with Dallas, right? And he had, some, he had some good years in Atlanta. He He's an elite level defensive coordinator and he's just an okay head coach. Yeah. And I don't even think that's, so that's a spicy meatball that I would need. So, so if you, if you want to get at MJ Doherty, uh, on Twitter, I'll I'll actually back Mike up on that one. I, I uh, agree with that. Second spicy meatball, the analytics community community is looking very very foolish currently. Oh yeah, um, we're we're gonna get to that when we get into games too. So. Yep, and uh, I think the reason that they are looking foolish is because they're foolish about how they're accumulating the statistics. They are saying that you should go for go for it on fourth down in certain situations, right? Well, in the past, the times that you've actually accumulated stats on people succeeding is when people needed to succeed, right? Right now, they're doing it out of like an option. It's like, well, we could do either one. We could take our three points or we could take, you know, a shot at completing this drive. That's an option. That is not something that needs to be completed. There's a different sense of urgency. Things happen differently when things need to be done, especially with superstars. They come through in the clutch. That's why they're superstars. They're not, they're not always coming through when it when it's like middle of the game, no big deal. But in the clutch, they come through, and that's why we remember their names because they are the ones that complete these plays in huge situations. When it's a like a, a whatever situation, they don't always rise to the occasion. Yeah, and we've so, seen that a lot that we this week. We've seen that in the Packer game, um, I think Chiefs Chargers game, where you, where you got guys who are going to say, "Oh, you're playing against Aaron Rodgers, you're playing against Pat Mahomes." Like field goals aren't going to win the game, but I think in those games, like yeah, you can't. You can't predict what would happen if they took the three points because that's that's going to be the rebuttal. Like if they, if they took the three points, it's going to be a different game. But I, I think you just got to like shut up and just be like, 
No, they, they would have been better off to take those three points. I think the Chargers left nine points on the on the field. They they left it for sure six on the field. I, I for sure. That was yeah. before halftime. Yep, yep. They could have went into halftime with a good lead. I get it both ways. I get it both ways. I don't like the fact that um, he didn't really own that, right? So he said, that's what we do. You know, that's what we're going to do. Like, that he kind of owned it. That was Harbaugh? He no, this was um, – is it Staley? Yeah. With the Chargers? He said, this is, this is what we are, right? This is what we're going to do in these situations is we're going to go for it. I think that he should have said, we missed those points, right? We should have taken field goals in those situations, knowing that we failed now. But in the future, we're still not going to take those goals. You can be in both camps. and Maybe that gets you murdered in the media, and that's why he doesn't do it. But I think you didn't actually own it. You said, well, this is what we are. Like, we'll never change. Well, what if the analytics change? Then you should change, right? If you're yeah. an analytics guy and the analytics change, which they don't look very good right now. I wonder what, how it, now that people are going strictly analytics, how these analytics have like adjusted. They're going to change. Yeah. You're going to have different They have to data. change. Yeah. You're going to have different data. All right. Well, those are Mike's two spicy meatballs. Mild, mild, mild meatballs this week, I guess. Yeah. They're not even that spicy. So I have a spicy meatball this, this week. And oh, nice. And I don't, I don't know if it's that spicy, but so my spicy meatball is that I could make a killing selling ranch in Brazil. They don't have ranch and they have <laughs> so many good things to dip ranch in in Brazil. It blows my fucking mind. Like they don't have ranch anywhere. No. So there's Sam's club. And like, I was talking about ranch to these people and I was like, can you find ranch anywhere? And the conversation didn't go that well because they were like, I, I don't speak English. But anyways, <laughs> I ended up getting my point across somehow. And they went, there's a Sam's Club apparently somewhere around here. And they went and bought me ranch. And I still haven't got to try this great Brazilian food in this ranch dressing. But if you just sent me restaurant to restaurant and like they brought me out food like they do, like in Brazil, apparently you just pay a flat fee. They just bring you food all the time. It's amazing. Um, you get fat as shit. But other than that, amazing. And if I just had a bottle of like Hidden Valley with me, oh man, I think I would make a killing. I think that might be my retirement plan. But so that's probably why they don't get fat as shit is because they're not dipping everything in fucking ranch. They're not that great down here though. Like I, I I'm not. Know. Yeah, I'm not saying that they're perfect. I'm just saying they're not dunking all that shit ranch on top of a. Uh, eating it all dude the other thing with it though is like even when they're not perfect so like i'm thinking like brazil guys are wearing speedos and like looking ripped <laughs> and like they're just wearing boats. speedos yeah that's it like they they just don't give a shit about being like 300 pounds wearing a speedo and like trying to dive and go for a belly flop we were on a boat all saturday day yeah no pretty much all sunday so i got back just in time for the packer game and yeah man there are just these fat dudes that were like wearing speedos and i respected the shit out of them i was like good good for you guys you guys are, are you're gonna be a speedo guy after this huh no you're no gonna be I, a... I 
I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I, I got the, the mark of the gringo, they call it, is uh, like my, my tan line on my legs is just ridiculous. And if you can see this, you can see my sunglasses on my face still that I'm not even wearing. But yep. yeah, so I got burnt in December for the first time in my life. And I loved it. Loved every minute of it. Um, with that being said, that's my spicy meatball. Uh, we're going to lead into, like I said, a very in-depth Wisconsin recruiting uh, interview with Andy Keel. I had no idea what we were getting into, but man, this guy traded getting a uh, Brazzers subscription in college for getting this subscription to 247 Sports. This guy was all over the recruiting scene. If you like recruiting, I, I don't know. Uh, you're going to like this interview. And with that being said, we did, we did bring on a friend. If you have something you think you can add to the show and you want to come on and talk about it, uh, we'd, love, we'd love to see you come on. So we hope you enjoy this interview with Keel because I honestly thought it was great. So here it is. Now, welcome to the show, our Wisconsin recruiting expert, Mike's buddy, my friend from back in the day, Andy Keel. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me. Excited right, to talk some Badger football. Well, yeah, let's talk some Badger football. That's what we're here for. You're the expert. We want to hear from you. So let's get into, first off, when we're talking about Badgers, we need to bring up uh, the volleyball team, right? So. This weekend, the volleyball team becomes national champs. What are your thoughts on that, Andy? Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. I uh, have been watching the Badgers randomly a little bit. I got a lot of friends. My sister and brother-in-law, who are big Badger fans, go to a lot of football games with us, uh, have season tickets. So they actually were in Columbus, Ohio, for the Final Four. So I was texting with them. That was pretty exciting. Um, I'm not like a big-time fan, but I do. I did watch any game that was on TV and – it's just nice winning a national championship. Uh, it felt like uh, got a little monkey off the Badgers' back. It felt like every time we got close, something screwy would happen. We got a lower seed in Nebraska, and I was like, all right, we're going to dominate them. And then we started getting down, and I was like, we just are cursed. Like, uh, every time we get close, like, something bad happens, and that's what I was thinking. I was actually texting uh, one of our friends, and it was uh, saying, like, I just feel like if we don't win this, we're, like, legitimately cursed at – winning national championships or big time games when like a, it was something like a million point four people watched it, which is really cool. So I think it's great for women's volleyball. It, volleyball is a great sport to watch on TV. It's a ton of fun. So I think that's also really good exposure. Oh yeah. I love watching volleyball. I love playing volleyball too. Like if there was any sport that I would play still to this day would be volleyball. But yeah, that, that was good. Cause I didn't get to keep up with any of that at all. So, yeah, nice having people watch that. Yeah, I was kind of following on Twitter and like trying to pay attention to it that way. But I was making sure that I knew like when they got it. It was a weird situation to end that game too. Um, they called the uh, the PA announcer apparently called them the national champions, and then they challenged the call. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it went back to Nebraska, which was weird. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, it went all five, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and it was, uh, I mean, it was a really exciting. Like last match, we got up seven, nothing in the game in the fifth game. And then all of a sudden, like they started coming back and then that happened. And the last point that we actually won, I don't know if you guys saw it on Twitter, but it was, it was pretty, pretty fun volleyball to watch. What was the final set? Like, what was the final score of the final set? I think it was like 15, 12, might've been 15, 11. It got pretty so, close. So pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like all the all the games that I've seen with this, and I don't want to get too far into volleyball, but all the games that I've seen, like if it's competitive teams, it's never like 25-10. That's never the case. No. And being up like seven nothing or six nothing or seven one or something like that, but it was like, okay, we can't blow this. And then we <laughs> like it almost happened, and it was like, oh God. And then that challenge happened, and it, it was exciting, but definitely scary. Uh, I was, it's so funny watching volleyball. I like watching volleyball, even at like the high school level, because the players are always super positive. And like when I play volleyball and I, I like playing volleyball, I play in some competitive stuff. I can never just stay that positive. And you play with like girls on your team. They're always like, don't worry about it, hyping you up. And I just want to be like pissed off and like, let me just be mad because it's how I play better. And it's just a completely different thing. And you can watch it on TV. Even Nebraska was like all smiles and stuff. And it's like game point down seven nothing they're all smiling and clapping and laughing and i would have just been pissed well that's why it was mike's favorite sport they got to bring it in and slap each other's butts every after every point yeah break all right so we're gonna pivot from the volleyball and what we brought keel on to enlighten us about is i i guess i don't really keep very close attention to the badgers recruiting i just see when the players are there uh, and Keel keeps a very close eye on this. And we are just going to start with the question. What did you think of Wisconsin's recruiting class for this year? I think uh, for 2022 on a whole, I think it was a little disappointing. Um, I think the Badgers momentum in recruiting for the last several years has really been, um, I would say, uh Trajectory has been going upward, um, st- uh, you know, starting in 2019, we've got a big five-star recruit out of Michigan for linemen, and then it just got higher in 22, and then it kind of came to a plateau last year in 2021 with uh, we finished uh, 16th overall, which is by far the highest um, in the nation, and then third in the Big Ten. And uh, 2022, we were excited for because we had a really good in-state recruiting class, something that doesn't you know, particularly happen. Wisconsin's known for their good offensive linemen and stuff like that. But those good offensive linemen are normally like three stars, low three stars, not really nationally recruited guys. Um, And something that was exciting about 2022 is we had um, a four-star tight end in state, three or four, three in-state linemen that were four stars. And then uh, Braylon Allen, who reclassified to this year, was uh, almost a five-star safety. And then – uh, four-star defense. So it was, uh, it's, you know, recruiting is all about geography. It's why the Southern states do so well. Schools like Texas, um, the state of Texas has something like 120, some maybe even more division one power five players in it. And uh, Wisconsin's usually more about a seven or eight at the most uh, division one total, let alone power five. So um, it was a little disappointing, um, but I think overall uh, it's still, planned out really well as far as what Wisconsin needs to be successful um, with signing some offensive linemen um, and 
just really development type players that I think will overall do well for the school. But um, I think a lot of people right now are focused on the rankings and uh, the misses in state. Sorry. And then uh, that's been really disappointing. I think when you uh, play it all out and lay it out, what it could have been. What, what were the big misses in state? Like who, who'd we miss and where'd they go to? Yeah, I think this is where my phonetics is going to be terrible. There's an offensive lineman uh, in state, Billy Scarruth uh, or Scarruth or something. I haven't actually heard his name. I have, but I don't remember what it was. But um, he was a big offensive lineman that uh, we should have gotten, but ended up going to Notre Dame, um, even through a coaching change, uh, which is really rare. I do think Notre Dame hiring uh, their defensive coordinator solidified that commitment. But he's somebody that you don't see players out – in the state of Wisconsin go elsewhere, let alone offensive linemen. So I think that one really hurt. Um, and then there's another one that's still uncommitted in Carson uh, Heitzman, uh, who's a big four-star offensive lineman uh, who's choosing between us and Ohio State and actually didn't sign yet in the early signing period. So he's got until I think it's uh, the first week in February to make that final decision. But that's something that could swing, I think, some people's uh, mindset on where the class is at. Yeah, and I just want to reiterate. So where did we finish in the Big Ten this year? We finished 11 out of 14 teams. Um, and that's – so that's uh, that's just based off overall ranking, and I think that's one thing that fans – That's recruiting, know. correct? That's recruiting, yep. That's just uh, where we're at for 2022. And one thing fans don't, I think, understand when they're seeing that on Twitter or they're seeing that posted or people talking about that we finished behind schools like, you know, uh, Indiana and Rutgers, Maryland, right? Maryland. Uh, I think even uh, like we finished right above Illinois, Minnesota, Purdue finished ahead of us. Um, but what a lot of people don't understand is we only took 14 commits um, where a lot of those other schools are at 20 or 22. Um, 2022 was always going to be a low class for Wisconsin, just based off of how many players returned and how many players uh, just see. We don't, we saw a little bit more transfers this year, but Wisconsin doesn't see the level of transfers that uh, a lot of other schools do. I think Texas A&M signed like 28 guys or are going to sign something like 28 guys when it's all said and done. So something that like I tend to focus on is just kind of the average um, overall where we're at. And 87 is where we finished in 22, as far as like the player ranking. So four stars are usually like 89 to 97 and then five stars of those 98 to whatever Wisconsin usually gets, uh, you know, good linemen, high rated linemen, and then fills out their class um, in other areas. So um, in 2022, for example, we finished 16th and our overall was 89. Um, and in 2020 and 2019, uh, we finished 26 and 29th and they were both 88 overall. So it's not far off the par. It's just all about numbers when it comes to these recruiting sites and rankings and things like that. All right. My next question was going to be, so, so when you see someone like Maryland, like an absolute dog shit program, beat, beat Wisconsin in the rankings, do you think that has something to do with like an East coast bias of like what the talent level of these high school kids are? Cause you see Wisconsin with three star recruits year in year out compete at the highest level, but do you think that's because like the scouts in Wisconsin aren't selling these guys as good? But I, I know you said earlier, like we are getting some guys that are more four-star, five-star 
maybe not five star, but more four star guys coming out of Wisconsin. So I'm just curious if there's East Coast Southern bias. But I mean, those programs in the South are great. So I mean, there's something yeah. to it. I I do think that those rankings are usually pretty legitimized. I think that it's a crapshoot ultimately, no matter what the player is or what where they're from. Um, I just think it's uh, the seriousness of how they take football. And I think like you think like an area like Maryland, I think they call it the DMV, where that's, you know, outside of Florida, California and Texas, that's some of the best recruiting in the nation. And I think um, there's a lot to go around. And I think a school like Maryland and even Rutgers really benefits from just being so local um, when it comes to that. And I, I, I do think they look for a different type of player. And I, I think it kind of, I have want to talk a little bit eventually about like Wisconsin, uh, just like philosophy on recruiting and how they recruit and who they hire for coaches. And, and I think another big thing that sets Wisconsin back is just academics is not something that we as a school and as a university, it's frustrating even for me, uh, is lax on. Um, even like a school like Notre Dame, so Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame and goes to LSU and Brian Kelly has been fighting for, I think since he's got there for Notre Dame to give them more academic exemptions. So I think they have five or six academic exemptions that they can sign a five-star guy out of, you know, Texas that maybe isn't academically on par with what their normal requirements are. Um, and to my knowledge, Wisconsin doesn't have any of those options that all their players have to qualify academically which takes about a, a third, maybe more of four or five star guys just off the table before there is even a conversation. Yeah. Well, so for an example from the past would have been a guy like John Clay, right? Yeah. He had to take summer classes in order to qualify for the academic side of Wisconsin. That guy was pretty sure going to be the starting back at some point in, in his career at Wisconsin and ended up being very good for Wisconsin. But he had another, trouble getting in. And I don't I don't know, like I've read and, and heard many times that even like a player like Melvin Gordon now would not qualify academically at Wisconsin. But oh really? He could he could have been. And it, and I think that doesn't necessarily mean they're not good students or that, but they're the qualifications, they've lost players under Gary Anderson because they didn't have like three high school semesters of a foreign language and like little tiny requirements. They had the SAT scores, the ACT scores, the GPA, they had all that, but those academic requirements to get into Wisconsin, like a foreign language for a really touted offensive lineman. And I remember specifically ended up going to Georgia. Like, so that's the things that like, to me. So football plays aren't a, aren't a foreign language. Like that's not football uh, language or uh... plays or whatever like learning that shit that's that doesn't count huh? it should because i i love football i i ingest football into my veins i it's my favorite sport by far and i still watch people like i watch all the like the nick saban documentaries or any like tidbit when he does coaching and i'm like i know nothing about this sport whatsoever like you could you drop me in an in offensive coordinator room and i'd be like what the hell are you talking just run stick and nod or four verts or power <laughs> o or something off of like madden is all i would think about so it's uh that stuff that i think it should be a foreign language well so you just got the like the um the baker mayfield commercial he goes into like what his password is for wi-fi and it's yeah. some play call and you can't tell what they're trying to call based on what he's saying right there foreign language 
count it. It, it, it should be. We should. Uh, I'll I'll send an email to the new president or maybe Chris McIntosh or the new AD to see if we can get some exemptions on those. There we go. I like that. Yeah, and I think you, when you get into that, there, but you just see what's wrong with the NCAA. Like, if you are a guy, in my opinion, this is all my opinion. If you're just really good at football, like, who gives a shit about what else you're you're gonna get into? Like, what you're gonna study? Like, if you're going to be a pro athlete or you think you're going to, like, let them take that risk. But I, I don't know. Like, what do I know? Yeah, no, Pat, I think that's a good point. I think that's where a lot of Badger fans are, but I, I look at it in a different way. And I it's I don't know if it's just because I'm conditioned. I've been such a big Badger fan. It's I follow the Badgers like most of the state of Wisconsin follows the Packers. I always say I, I should have been born in the South and cheered on LSU because the way they – like that's how the South looks at or college football is the way people in Wisconsin look at the Packers, you know. Um, but I think rooting for a team like Wisconsin, like it makes it – that much more rewarding when we do go uh, 12 and 0 and have to beat, you know, a team like Ohio state, because uh, it's just not as easy. And I think that's why I like talking about Badger recruiting because it just makes it uh, you have to have a more kind of diverse way of looking at what it means when we can't sign you know, everybody's like, why don't we just sign every best running back or five-star running back? You know, a lot of those guys aren't focused on, you know, their third semester of Spanish, you know, and things like that. So, um, and to be one of those guys, your focus has to be football. And I think that's what's so special about what the Badgers have done, um, but also what makes it so difficult um, overall. But I've got yeah. kind of sidetracked there. No, I know. And I'm going to even like throw us off like the railroad tracks a little bit because I think that's why the NCAA is so cool. Like, I love college football. And it's just because there's so much controversy in it and there's like not a fair like schedule out thing to be like, you think like, okay, if you want to make it to the playoffs, you win your conference and you're in the playoffs, but it's not even that like the year Penn state wins conference beats Ohio state and plays the big 10 championship. I can't, they won the big 10 championship and then they send Ohio state in. Like there, there's just some flaws to me that need to be hammered out, but all right, I, I regress. So we're going to get, get back, back into Badger recruiting. So we crushed it. Like you were saying, since 2019 to 2021, you think, well, you actually kind of already answered this question. So we already had like great recruiting classes, 19, 20, 21. And I guess I have it written down. I'm just going to ask it, even though you kind of already answered it was like, do you think it was like complacency or do you like, we're like, we already got our guys. It like you said, I guess you did kind of answer this. Like we already have enough guys staying. So we didn't get to keep going, but. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's complacency. I don't think we are settled as a program where we can be. I think we saw in 2021 worth going in and getting the best guy out of, I believe we got the best guy out of Penn state. Michigan, Minnesota, and Illinois uh, in 2021. So I think we do have – I do think we are kind of a hidden gem when it comes to recruiting. I think we're just kind of getting into it. But um, in early in 2021, I think in June, um, we actually lost both of our – most of our recruiting department um, to Michigan State. Uh, Sharid Khalif and uh, another guy, 
are who heads up, uh, who headed up our recruiting department for the last three or four years. And they really changed the narrative on how Wisconsin would recruit guys. Um, Wisconsin sends out mostly, uh, I think the fourth or fifth uh, least scholarship offers in the entire country. So um, I think it's us, Northwestern, Stanford, um, and a couple other schools that send out just the least amount of offers. So with the academics and just culture of what Wisconsin is trying to recruit, we're sending out very little offers. So relationships is what's key. And I think that's the philosophy that's really helped us the last four or five years is you look at Paul Chris staff, it's like 70% or 75% of them are all from Wisconsin. And I think that's on purpose. And I think what they built there is a culture that um, you come here and you're going to be supported by Wisconsin guys. And it's a brotherhood type of thing. And I know a lot of other schools probably say that, but when you're only offering, you know, half of what a school like Michigan or even Michigan state, some comparables to where we're at um, or a school like Maryland, uh, like you talked about Maryland earlier, the amount of offers that they put out compared to us is just ridiculous. So I think um, Wisconsin's philosophy on identifying players is, is something that when they send an offer, they have to hit and losing our recruiting coordinators um, is my biggest frustration. We still have not replaced that department. We're almost, you know, that was in June. So we're going on month six. And I think that's borderline, you know, that's my biggest problem I have right now with Paul Christ is that's got to be a specific person. It's got to be the right fit. It's got to be a person that shares his vision and philosophy um, with some of that. But um, to not have that replaced, I think really hurt us because I think that's where the relationships start. And that's where they're the first people talking to the player. They're the first people talking to the families and those guys did an excellent job. And I think that's one thing that's frustrating with Michigan state coming in and taking those guys is those guys left because they didn't get enough support. I think they had five guys on their staff um, and they left to go to Michigan state uh, to, uh, to have a 12 person department. And I think like schools like Georgia, Texas, A&M, Alabama have like 17 to 20 some people in their recruiting department and Wisconsin's got five and the guy who really liked Wisconsin loved what they were doing left because the school wasn't going to give him the option um, to get more. So I think that plays a huge part. And I think in the 2022 class um, we had in-state guys that we definitely have no excuse on missing on. Um, but I heard Paul Christ say when he did his interview, uh, I think it was a week ago, talked about how the, there was a dead period in recruiting where they couldn't have guys on campus for 15 months and 15 months. Traditionally, they spend those in-state guys coming down and hanging out with the program, coming down and hanging out with their position groups, following those players to class, being hosted almost unofficially, uh, you know, 10, 15 times uh, once a month type of stuff where they're just constantly inviting guys. Um, and that was not allowed. And I, so Paul Christ um, even said that it basically made these players out of state guys where, yes, they were grew up in Wisconsin. Most of them grew up cheering for the Badgers, but they weren't able to recruit and build relationships like they are normally able to build in a class. Is that the case a, for all schools? Um, yeah, it, that, it was the same for all schools. No, no schools were allowed to have players. I think there was definitely some violations. Arizona State got crushed with violations for having guys in during that dead period. Um, no way were, Florida followed those rules. Yeah, and there's and that's what a lot of it was. And 
And I do think there's some morality that I think Wisconsin holds itself to that every once in a while, I wish we would look the other way or, you know, drop a, a bag of cash off at a kid's house. I would be okay with that. But uh, it's just stuff that we've always, uh, I, I think we're a clean program when it comes to that. I hope we are because we, if we aren't and we're still, we're trying to offer players money, uh, we're doing a really bad job of it because we're not getting the big guys that other schools are. But I think one thing that will be different with 2023's class, Wisconsin didn't recruit its second most easy position, which is outside linebacker. Um, We're stacked at outside linebacker for the next several years. Guys like Nick Herbig came in and started. um, And just we've done an exceptional job recruiting outside linebackers. And there's just a log jam um, of freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and now COVID has allowed guys to stay. Um, and I don't think we attack that position, um, in recruiting, like we will in the future. We are in on, um, one of the top outside linebackers in Louisiana, which is insane to think that he's even considering, um, coming up to a place like Wisconsin. But I do think in 2023, we'll be able to see some of that change with outside linebacker recruiting. So I think, uh, that is where, and a lot of that 2022, um, missed. We got killed in 2022 by Penn State, Michigan, and uh, a school like North Carolina, which is really kind of a, a random school. But um, in 2021, we out recruited Penn State on two or three guys. Um, and it's why James Franklin was on the hot seat and last season was talking openly about they need to recruit better because Wisconsin um, traditionally loses to Penn State in recruiting. And we were able to get you know, a five-star offensive tackle, the number one offensive tackle out of Penn, uh, Pennsylvania. And I think that's one thing. We just lost to the schools that traditionally beat us in those players this year. And it wasn't as big of a need because of how we've recruited the last several years. So you feel like this is more perception on what we did in 19, 20, and 21. And then in 22, we fall back to our norm and everybody – feels like we're starting to lose traction again. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't even call it falling back to our norm. I would just say uh, we performed a little lower than we have in the last several years. Um, and a lot of that's numbers. And uh, 2020, like we signed 20, uh, 21 guys in 2021, 19 in 2020, and 20 in 2019. And now we've only signed 14. Of course, we're not going to have the same ranking um, where that goes. But if you look at that average, like I talked about, 87 is on par with where we were at in 2018 and 20, uh, 2017 and just below where we've been at in the last couple of years. So I think the recruiting itself is there. Um, we've just had some failures to, I think, close in-state guys, which would have really bumped our recruiting to where we were at last year. So you've been paying, so you've been paying some pretty good attention to the guys that are coming in, uh, the guys that we've missed on. Do you think that there's anybody that walks in and on day one is competing for a starting job in 2022? Um, not particularly in this class. I I don't. I think um, what we saw in 2020, and I think what we'll see next year with a lot of these 2021 guys seeing the field more is we'll see a lot more of those freshman players come in um, and do that. But with Wisconsin being a developmental program, uh, it's not really how our recruiting will work. So when we do see a guy like a Nick Herbig come in in a a loaded position group 
and start immediately as a true freshman at outside linebacker, he's a stud. And I think that's one thing we're starting to see. And I do think that also contributes to why we've seen more transfers this year is because of that talent below where a lot of guys who thought next year was going to be their turn have been in practice with these guys have been in practice with the talent that is now coming in and, and they're seeing like, you know, maybe I'm not going to get my chance as a, as a red shirt junior and senior to get my playing time. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot more guys transfer. And I, I just think that comes, that has to do with it along with just what the transfer portal has kind of created in college sports. Yeah. With it being a lot easier that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But yeah. That's a great answer to that question. Um, now we're coming up with Pat's dumb question of the interview. So this, this has always blown my mind with Wisconsin. So sure. We have Graham Mertz. What was he a four-star recruit out of Kansas? Yeah, he was a high four-star recruit. So a high four-star, but out of Kansas, that probably makes you like a three-star recruit. I'm just saying. Yeah, but who knows? So like we we all Under Armour Under Armour All American Bowl MVP Mike. <laughs> but anyways, so he comes in and he's doing what he's doing, which whatever. I think he's going to take a step forward. I think I think the Badgers are going to do well with him. But my big question is why? Why would you think? Or what is it? Why haven't we ever just went off like a peer running quarterback? Like, I mean, we had the dual threat in Russell Wilson, but like our, our offense is always so one dimensional in the, like in the asset or in the aspect that we run the ball all the time. Why don't we get a quarterback that can run too? where, so we're one dimensional in the run game, but we're at least two dimensional in that running game where we can have like a read option or something to come off of that. Cause it always blows my mind. We don't get great quarterback recruits, Graham Mertz, the exception there. Uh, but we just, I don't know. I just think we should get a guy that can just run the shit out of the ball. So when we do fake it, we got two dimensions on the, on the ground. I think it's a, it, I think the number one reason is probably just an offensive philosophy that Chris has. Um, but I, I honestly, my answer is a little bit more deep than that. I, I think it's something that Barry Alvarez hated. Um, and I think pe- Barry Alvarez had a very um, strong opi- like opinion on the dual threat quarterback when it came to recruiting for Wisconsin. It's one of the reasons why him and Gary Anderson just hated each other was because Gary Anderson's philosophy was to have a little bit more of that mix with dual threats. And he tried to do it with, you know, somebody like a Tanner McElvoy who, you know, um, when we played LSU, couldn't hit a wide open Troy Fumagalli over the middle. Mike, you were at that game. He was nobody was within 15 yards of him in Houston, Texas, and Tanner McAvoy couldn't couldn't throw it to him. And it's it's things like that that I think really have set even that back. But I don't have a good reason for that. I don't necessarily agree or disagree on that. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I I think that's the answer right there. Like we can't get, we even get a four-star guy in here. We can't get him to hit wide open guys here and there. I remember I was so excited. I can't remember his name. It was like Gillies out of Jacksonville. Or oh, something. DJ Gillen. Yeah, Gillen. Yeah. I was so, so excited. I was like, the Badgers are going to win a national championship once this guy comes in and he doesn't even see the field. Never saw the field and <laughs> ended up transferring like some FCS school. <laughs> I think he finished his career at uh, uh, SMU. Uh, that a boy. But yeah, and I think that's... He probably got real paid. <laughs> real paid at SMU. Second episode in a row, we bring up SMU. 
Oh, really? Yep. Two in a row. Yeah. Chris Jackie almost went there, apparently. But I do, I do get that dual threat recruiting question quite often, and I, I don't really have a good answer for it. I do think, like I said, I do think Barry Alvarez, it was just something that he did, didn't like. But yet at the same time, if you look back at his quarterbacks with, you know, Brooks Bollinger scrambled a lot, Bevel, you know, notoriously moved. Um, and then he had like an option quarterback with, um, I want to say Chris Samuel. I don't remember his first name. I was like seven, but uh, I don't, I think it's just something that he really disagreed with. And I, I think a lot of Badger fans, they look at a player like Russell Wilson and get frustrated, but I mean, that's Russell Wilson. That's a, yeah, he's an anomaly. Well, I mean, top so, quarterback. Uh, in the NFL. I've had this argument a lot at, with basically the same person at work, every, like every time the Badgers, like we're in a close game or, ended up losing one this year, even in the year they had Russell Wilson, they lost three games. Right. And I, I get that those are bad ball bounces, but you should be blowing everyone out that season. You have Russell Wilson and John Clay and like you have his Aberderis there at the time. Yep. Nick Toon. Okay. So you should be killing people. Just we had killing. I could go on forever about that team. We had 12 players on that team that got drafted uh, on the offense alone. Um, it's is that, the year the, that the, is that the year the sixth lineman starts for Dallas the following year? Yes. That's the year that the sixth offensive lineman, not anybody guy who couldn't play for the Badgers, starts in the NFL. Yep. And I, I don't remember who our tight end was. I think it might have been, I don't know if it was Owen Daniels. Or Garrett Graham, but he played in the NFL. Brady Ewing, I think, was a fullback, got drafted, like played, like had a hernia that caused his career. But Nick Toon, Aberderis both had NFL opportunities. I think two running backs ended up playing in the NFL. Yeah, that Monty Ball was was playing well that year. I think um that might have been well too Clay soon. was Clay was there for the because he was the TCU, like he had the like the first and last drive of that game, scored touchdowns in both of the neck, right? Yep, and I don't know. They should have been beating the brakes off people, and they couldn't even do it then. You could have me that back. Might for be coaching. Uh, just an entire breakdown of the 2011. Okay. Maybe that'll happen one day. I'm sure we can pull in a couple guys for that one. So now it looks like we kind of veered paths off of the recruiting. I think we touched that pretty good. You had some good answers on that. I got I got one more question on the recruiting. Uh, Who's your favorite signing for 2022? Um, I think this is like the first year in a while I haven't had a, a true cut favorite because our our best lineman is a Joe Brunner out of out of or our best player is Joe Brunner out of Wisconsin. Um, just a almost a can't miss offensive tackle prospect. Um, but the person I'm most intrigued by uh, is uh, the tight end that we signed. Um, Looking at his name real quick, uh, JT uh, Seagraves. He's out of uh, Monroe, Wisconsin. Wisconsin was in on and was the leader for multiple four-star um, tight ends, ones that end up with Notre Dame, Michigan State, like really good schools, Oklahoma. Um, they were all people who Wisconsin were leaders on and then cooled on. And then there was an in-state guy. I don't. Uh, I think Andrew Keller out of uh, Wanakee that was – much more uh, highly rated than the guy that we signed uh, ended up going to Iowa state. 
Um, but the Badgers sent a, an offer out to this guy after camp and everything that I've read on him, I haven't seen any film or I haven't seen anything, but the things I've read and heard people talk about is he's a different type of tight end recruit. And he's a six, six basketball player that um, brings a different type of pass catching dynamic. And um, Wisconsin had him in at camp and was blown away. I think he ran like a four, six, one or something um, at camp and just dominated in a lot of team drills. Um, and it's a pass catching tight end that I don't think Wisconsin's really recruited. We've done a great job recruiting tight ends, uh, four star, three star, high three star guys the last four or five years. And our tight end group is pretty stacked, but they're all blocking tight ends. There's no even Jake Ferguson's a blocking tight end. There's no, you know, uh, Beckham's or other players that we've had in that position that um, can catch the ball. And I think that's kind of what they were going for because they have such an established recruiting or established uh, blocking tight end group. So I'm really curious on what that is. Uh, the guy that they offered and committed was actually unrated, had zero division one offers when they offered him, And um, a lot of people pause at that. But when I see the, the staff do that, I just have seen it happen more times in the past. And um, those dudes more often than not hit at a pretty solid rate, whether it's stars or just general recruiter, uh, general, you know, quality players that we have. Uh, two-year starters, things like that. So I'm really curious at that because if you paid attention outside of Jake Ferguson, there's really nobody we can throw the ball to at the tight end position. That's a game breaker by any means. So I think that's one thing I'm really excited about. We made a late um, commit at linebacker um, to an Aiden Vaughn. Uh, he's a, a kind of a higher three-star guy, um, but – um, he was also one of the fast, you know, the fastest risers, you know, fastest rising player by signing day happens a lot. We were in on two of them. One of them ended up going to Michigan um, and then Aiden Vaughn ended up choosing us. So I think that's something that's exciting. You know, uh, there's a player uh, signed safety. His name's Austin Brown, who um, from everybody I follow, you know, in, in recruiting, can't believe that it's somebody that the bigger schools can't come after jumps out on tape jumps out in, you know, camps and things like that, could play both sides of the ball. Um, Jim Leonard actually was asked because he lost Braylon Allen. Braylon Allen was a really high, almost five-star safety recruit and lost him to running back. So uh, Jim Leonard was uh, asked about Austin Brown playing offense, and he actually kind of got testy in the interview and was like, you guys need to stop because he's going to be a safety. I'm not losing a guy two years in a row. Um, so I'm excited about him. Um, and then Curtis Neal. Uh, is a D tackle recruit, a position that we absolutely needed to hit on this year, um, losing Bryson Williams. And we thought we were going to lose, Keanu, lose Keanu Benton, but I think everything, unless he gets a first round grade, he said he's coming back, but we signed a guy, we beat out Ohio state for, but Ohio state wasn't necessarily recruiting him really hard to had a torn ACL in his uh, senior year. And a lot of schools uh, offers from, you know, every top 15 school you can think of had an offer out to him. Um, backed off and cooled off, and we stayed on him, and um, we're bringing him in too. So Curtis Neal, I'm excited for at D-line. Um, but I think that's where Wisconsin really does well is there's so many prospects that all these schools are going after. And then a guy like Curtis Neal, you know, a high four-star guy, tears his ACL in his senior year, drops down to a, you know, a decent three-star and the Badgers sign him as a developmental program, that knee's, that knee's going to be healed by the time he sees the field as a, 
you know, redshirt freshman or redshirt sophomore. So I think that's where our success kind of comes in a lot and where you see necessarily the rankings don't always meet the, the level of play that we have. So. All right. Say this tight end's name again, because I, I want to be excited about him. JT Seagraves. JT Seagraves. The next Kyle Pitts. You heard it from uh, <laughs> Keel first. Print the shirts. <laughs> so there's also a kid out of uh, kind of our local area, pretty close. Reedsburg, correct? Do you know who that is offhand? Um, or is that the 2023 class? We don't have any 2023 recruits. Um, the closest to us uh, is really uh, like Franklin, Sun Prairie area, Stoughton, and Monroe. There's no, there may be some walk-ons that aren't on the recruiting site, um, but there's no players that are listed right now that are from Reedsburg. That's Mike's favorite thing to do is just ask you a question you're not prepared for, and that's probably wrong. Too. <laughs> so, so he's either so he stumped you. No, so he tweeted out that he will be playing for the Badgers. And I don't know what I want to say it's next year. And he's from either Baraboo or Reedsburg, but it doesn't yeah, matter. So Wisconsin uh this year in particular has it's funny because it aligns with their shittiest, you know, ranking recruiting, but it's hit like home runs with their preferred walk-on offers. We've had guys decommit from uh, you know, South Dakota State, North Dakota, schools that compete at a really high level um, at the FCS level, decommit and walk on uh, to Wisconsin, which I think is it's what's built our program. If you look at some of the players that have come through, Aberderis, Jim Leonard, you know, we've had something like 10 offensive linemen since uh, Barry Alvarez has taken over that have walked on and become draft picks. So there's a lot of uh, really – quality I don't know their names but I've just been following it I see them and then um some of the guys I follow will talk about just how well we're doing with some of those walk-ons and preferred walk-on is basically an offer if your parents can pay for school and that's that's what we're doing really well in right now so nice rich kids coming to school all right so Mike you got anything more these student loans Pat you don't know (laughs) student loans yeah, I guess they'll they'll be. Uh, yeah, yeah. College is always affordable. It's just how much, how long you want to spend paying it back. I'm thirty. Uh, I'm about to be thirty three. There's no end in sight for your guy over here. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that's uh, not what they're going through. But I do, I do want to touch on one thing, and that's where I think Wisconsin, and it's and it's obvious with the play in the field, uh, failed again this year, and there's really no positive things in sight and that's at uh the outside with uh cornerbacks and wide receivers um i think we failed again to hit on any quality targets um there's a there's one guy that um a couple of the people that i follow are are super excited about at wide receiver um and uh tony mcintosh he's like a six five receiver but i also think it's um, them doing a good job at marketing their websites because I've heard them be really excited about a lot of wide receiver prospects over the last six or seven years. Um, and other than Quintez Cephas, I haven't really seen any of that stuff come to fruition. So Wisconsin's going to continue to be where they're at as a football team, chance to win 12 games and maybe maybe beat Ohio State. Um, but we're not going to be able to to put any sort of, I think, potential national championship team out there until – 
something changes with that recruiting or we hit on somebody like a Jared Aberderis who was a walk-on, a Luke Swan who was an walk-on, uh, players like that where, like, if you watch the games, like, these are supposed to be good wide receivers. They're just not open. And I, I know a lot of it goes on Graham Mertz and a lot of people focus on him, but I'm there. I'm, I'm uh, at almost every home game and I'm watching the whole field. And there's not often times where there's somebody to throw to. And I think that's, that's really nerve wracking and frustrating for a fan of the Badgers. And I think it's gotten worse rather than getting better. So I think that's going to be something Badger fans should get used to. How does it get fixed? Is it just you sign the right guy? Yeah, I think I, I you hit on a guy. Um, Alvis Witted, our new wide receivers coach, has hit on guys um, in his previous stops. Guys like I believe it's Keenan Allen is his big guy. I can't remember. I don't know how if someone's going to reach out and say I was wrong on that or not on this podcast. But um, I get, only got like I, eight I people think so. Maybe Chris so. Jackie will call me and get on me about that. But I'm pretty sure he coached Keenan Allen as, at a small school. Um, and he's done a good job with hitting on, you know, low, low wide receiver talent. And hopefully he has been able to hit on a few of those. This is his first class. That's just his, I do think the program is excited about Chimray DK and then Marcus Allen, who was a, uh, commit that decommitted from Michigan, but I think he decommitted because Michigan stopped recruiting him and told him he didn't have an offer, but obviously he's not going to tweet that out. Um, so people are in the program are excited about those two, but I'm just worried about development at those positions. I don't think we've seen people like Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor get better in their six years now that they've been at Wisconsin. And that I think is the spots where we struggle to develop players. And I think that's hard because you just have to have that natural twitchy athleticism that you see um, at the big time schools. So. Oh, that was great. Yeah, you covered a lot there. So with this, I'm going to bundle the last question that I got for you. So where do you think people are sitting on on Paul Chris right now? Like, what's the temperament of his? And then us potentially losing Joe Rudolph to Virginia Tech. What do you got on that? I think people who – so I can't tell if – people are upset at Paul Chris and want him fired or if it's just Twitter um, or Facebook um, just being what Twitter and Facebook are, but I am all in on Paul Chris. I continue to be all in on Paul Chris. And I think anybody who has issues with Paul Chris or wants him fired does not pay close attention to the landscape of college football. I think we're, if, you know, a lot of people say they want Paul Chris fired and they want Jim Leonard promoted and all this other stuff, but I think Wisconsin is one quick firing or one bad decision away from not only being Nebraska, but possibly being Minnesota or worse. Um, I don't think we, we do have a longstanding tradition. We do have those things, but with given what we've talked about with how difficult it can be to recruit, I think what Paul Chris has built with his philosophy and what his players say about him and what his players tell recruits about him is is amazing uh and i think at a school like wisconsin um you're gonna have some times when you win eight games or you win seven games and the offense looks like shit and i think what sucks about this is 2020 was supposed to uh be a good year we didn't really know where we were at with quarterback 
we failed offensively and that's continued into 2021. And that's evident in how we played when we played schools like uh, Michigan and Notre Dame. And if you want to throw Penn state in there at the time, um, I think people who want Paul Christ fired have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. And they follow Wisconsin on Saturdays and don't pay attention to them after the Packers play. Um, that's kind of ultimately my opinion. I'm very nervous uh, if the I, I don't think I think Barry Alvarez uh, was going to stand his ground and was never going to let somebody like Paul Chris go. I think it's with Barry Alvarez there it would have taken three or four seasons of an average Wisconsin program um, to even consider firing somebody like Paul Chris. And with the new AD, I hope that continues. He's a Barry Alvarez guy, he's a Wisconsin guy, and I think that is really important. But if if people want to consistently win 11 games and 12 games and do this and do that. I I've just been telling them they need to start rooting for a different team um, because I don't think that's what the program is at Wisconsin. I think it's a, a, a team that over sell or uh, undersells and overproduces with what they do on a yearly basis. And I think some years when we win 11 games, like we've just done it so consistently um, it's insane. And I think Wisconsin fans forget about the years of the Rose bowls when in those years, like we lost two games, you know, they're, they're, that stuff happened every year. Um, but with uh, things like bowls kind of being less valued and the college football playoff being the number one thing, um, I think people have kind of lost their perspective on where we're at as a program and they want us to be Ohio State or, you know, even somebody like a Michigan or whatever. And it's like, I don't know what to tell you because the recruiting is just not there. And I, I think like, so if you look at us at an 89 being our best recruiting class ever, the last three for Ohio state have been 94 and oh, Alabama's last year was 95, which Alabama, we play Alabama in 2024. They just signed one of the most insane recruiting classes last year. And we're going to get those guys as juniors. And then the next year we get to get them as seniors. So I really hope that that doesn't pan out. And I hope a lot of those guys transfer out of Alabama because that could be, uh, a devastating game if those guys produce at what Alabama's been putting out. So we're they let's just be happy. Let's just be happy that Nick Saban left Michigan State what 20 years ago now, whatever it was. Let's just be happy about that. So we don't have to play them every year. And I, so I, I could scream at people because I get so mad when people say we should be making the playoff and doing this. It's like, do you watch college football? There's four or five programs that are producing these level of teams. And if the, the college playoff is looking to expand to 12, in the last six years, Wisconsin makes three of those and hosts two home games. Like the perspective on how that would look um, would be incredibly different. And we're going to – what I think people think about is like, oh, yeah, we're going to get crushed by Alabama. We'll get crushed by Iowa State. we get crushed by these blah, 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 blah programs. So does everybody else in, in a game – Two years ago, we would have hosted Florida at Camp Randall, and I I like our matchup against a school like Florida. They kill us in recruiting, but Wisconsin has proven to to do better in developing players, and they just play, for the most part, sound football, minus when Graham Mertz is fumbling and throwing five interceptions against Notre Dame. But for traditionally, that's where we're at, and I think that's why we continue to have success in bowl games when we get those matchups, we do well. We went one and one against LSU and Mike was at the game in Houston. We should have went two and oh. 
Um, it's ridiculous yeah. that we lost that game. We were the better football team. It wasn't even close. Um, so if, if Gordon stays healthy, I mean, so I say say stays healthy. If he plays maybe five snaps in the second half, we win that game. I think he played one snap and he ran 67 yards and got caught on the yeah. one because he pulled his hamstring about the 30-yard line. Yeah, I don't know if he was on the one, but he had a long run, right? A long run and then, like, was out after that. And then he played the following week. So I don't know, like, what happened, but I know he didn't play another snap. If he plays yeah. maybe five or six snaps in the second half, we win that game, and we might win it easily. He was running all over. Yeah, and I and I, I think Wisconsin has, like, a disease in basketball and football about we just lose the big game when we should win. And I think that's the thing that's hurting a program like ours immensely i think if we would have win we win three out of the 30 big games we've lost over the last 10 years um that i think a lot of this looks more consistently like 2021 where we're getting into those top 15 top 20 recruiting classes and a lot of that changes but the recruiting itself kind of dictates what college football looks like for every school but a school like wisconsin and we've elevated that tremendously over the last four years and now you want to fire Paul Chris because we haven't been able to to get it done and I I just get so frustrated with that and I think honestly I think if we were to fire Paul Chris even if we were to hire letter we run the risk of very quickly falling out of contention for any let alone uh above average where we've been for quite some time so uh, did we fire Anderson or did he leave? He left. Uh, he he technically left, but I, Barry Alvarez was quoting this year that uh, he called and told him that he left, but he wasn't mad. Yeah. So um, it's kind of one of those things where I, I was definitely coming. Gary Anderson's recruiting was, uh, as far as somebody like myself who follows it, reads every article, looks at who's visiting each game, Gary Anderson's recruiting was much, much more exciting than Paul Chris, but he also missed on every single person that he was excited for. A person like Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon's, uh, I don't know if you guys know what like a silent commit is, but he basically silently committed to Wisconsin and then on signing day chose Oklahoma. And like we were in on a lot of nationally recruited four and five stars for Gary Anderson, um, but we lost every single one. And it was it was exciting, but we lost. And I think where we're at with Paul Christ is it's boring, but we're bringing in talent levels outside of this year. But even if you look at this year, the numbers dictate that we're on par with where we've been at um, with a lot of those positions. As far as Joe Rudolph goes, a lot of people want to fire Joe Rudolph because he's our offensive coordinator, um, even though Paul Christ calls all the plays every year. But two for the, since Joe Rudolph. Um, has been on our staff, our top recruits have been offensive linemen, including signing three five stars in the last four years, uh, excluding this year. And Joe Brunner is very, very close to being a five star to make it four for four. Um, if you want to talk about recruiting and then want to fire Joe Rudolph, you just flat out aren't paying attention. He is one of our best recruiters. It's why we've been able to maintain and excel in our recruiting rankings is because we were doing what we've been doing as Wisconsin offensive line on three-star guys from Wisconsin. And now he's bringing in four and five-star talent. The depth and talent that we have on the offensive line 
is insane. Uh, there were so many young guys starting this year. And then the one draft pick is a traditional two-star walk-on in Stelzer. So I just think that a lot of people want to fire Joe Rudolph as an offensive coordinator, which I, I agree. We need to do something differently in offense. I'm not a pivot to criticism. Like I think that our offense is historically like boring and just isn't, doesn't, isn't creative. Um, the fullback dive is, is only going to work so much. Uh, but Joe Rudolph is, has a chance uh, from what I've read the last couple of days, like a very good chance to leave, to go to a place like Virginia tech, which as a Wisconsin alum hurts. And as what he's done in recruiting somebody like myself, paying attention to that, it's a massive blow that I think people are going to celebrate on things like Twitter and Facebook because they just don't know any better. And so you're thinking that that is for a, like a lateral move, same as what Dave Aranda did. Yes. Uh, Dave Aranda left because LSU paid him, uh, I believe it was $1.6 million more than Wisconsin offered him. Um, but yeah, I think so I get that. I get that. I get that. Like the money isn't at Wisconsin. I understand that, but it was a lateral move. He didn't move up when he could have easily taken a slightly like lower level coaching gig. I don't want to say Cincinnati because they're in the playoff, right? But a team of a from a conference like that. Yep, exactly. And I I think that so I think after COVID pay cuts, uh, Joe Rudolph makes just under seven hundred thousand, and with the way offensive line coaches, like I mentioned earlier, is going. My guess is is he's going to get a nice bump from Virginia Tech, and my hope is that is he gets a bump from Wisconsin. And I do hope Wisconsin still makes a move on their coaching staff to bring in some more offensive creativity. I don't know if it's a quarterback coach. I don't know if it's bringing in a true offensive coordinator. Um, but I do think that Paul Christ, as good as he's done as an offensive coordinator traditionally, I do think he's starting to get outdated in his offensive styles um but it also just might be the personnel that is on the outside with wide receivers um because the inside with running backs and tight ends uh still is i mean really well damn dude yeah you know your stuff uh but yeah i think we're gonna wrap this one up thank you so much for coming on I honestly did not know we were going to get what we got from you. And I, I am very, very impressed because you talked above my level of, of talking for so long, answered every question so good. And I hope the people out there. I got them stumped once. Enjoy. I got them stumped. Yeah, because you made up a question. <laughs> Some guy from Reedsburg. <laughs> I, I want to thank you guys for the opportunity because I, like I said, I am insane in how much I spend or spend time-wise looking at this stuff. And when I try to talk to people, nobody knows what I'm talking about. And nobody cares. They all just go to the basics and they all go to the, the on-the-field stuff. And college football is, is all about recruiting. Um, and there's some great, easy things out there to read. and. Uh, it really gives you a different level. And shout out college football, the video game, for getting me addicted to recruiting um, back in 2008 when I got my first college football game. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, they come out with, like, the wheel that spins. Like, let's talk about him. Let, I don't know. Yeah, that, that was great. But, yes, been, thank uh, you. I told people I was coming on to talk about college football recruiting, and I actually had a coworker today go, Ugh. 
And I was like, oh my God, like, come on. It's the greatest thing ever. I'm obsessed with it. I, I follow like, so I, the funny thing about college football recruiting with Wisconsin is it's boring. Wisconsin recruiting is boring compared to like an SEC school, or even if you look at like a Michigan state, Michigan, Penn state. Um, so I, uh, I've always kind of been a weird fan of LSU. And so I follow Wisconsin recruiting and then I can also hop on and I follow when I want to get, you know, all the, the crazy, crazy recruiting stories. I'll hop on and look at some of the LSU recruiting stuff and, yeah, do your jobs off in Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks again. No, I know two of the five people that listen to this thing are really going to love this. Um, but yeah, thank you for that. That was great. And that was our interview with Keel. He He dove way deeper in the weeds than I expected. Yeah, very in-depth. A uh, lot of information. Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe a little bit above most people's heads. Cause it was above my head. Like I, I still can't even remember the tight ends name that he gave me. Um, that's going to be yeah, the, remember either. The, the, the next Kyle Pitts at, uh, at Wisconsin, but looks like uh, we're getting ready to have a good future there at Wisconsin. Um, made me feel good about Wisconsin recruiting. Cause I was definitely, uh, one of the people who was like, oh, man, this recruiting class. I, I didn't see because I knew we were going to have mine talk about recruiting. I don't get into recruiting that much. But I was like, OK, I'm going to look at like the past years. And what he said made perfect sense. to me. Makes sense why why this year may look like it's down. Those those recruiting classes, they're they're coming up, you know, sophomores, juniors, seniors. So I'm thinking Wisconsin's going to be looking good. Well, and I think we develop talent, like you said, we develop talent better than most. If we continue to do that, we'll be just fine. Even with a recruiting class that with only 14 guys and might be slightly lower than what we normally are, we're fine. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to this next season out in Wisconsin. Hopefully uh, Mertz can take a step forward. If he doesn't, if they don't listen to this podcast and just get a guy that can run the dang ball, I'm not going to be happy. That that's my that's my quick fix to the solution in Wisconsin. Just get a guy that can run the ball. We'll lead in. We're gonna. We knew that interview is a little long, so we're gonna try to roll through this. Like I say every week, um, gonna give the sun drop challenge for the week update. And I had to do some math on the fly because the interview ran long and the game's finished before before the game was over. So I wrote this all before these Tuesday night games were over where I completely missed it. I, I, I don't know what happened in the United States where these games got pushed. So maybe Mike can shine some light COVID. on me. Yeah. COVID. That's, yeah. I mean, it's the only thing that's ever pushed an NFL game in the history. I mean, so that's not true. 9-11 pushed games too, right? They oh. pushed the whole week. Yeah. But that's the only other time that I ever remember any game was getting pushed. So, all right. So this week, not only was Mike whooping ass in the Rumpel Fantasy Eight, but he was taking names in the Sundrop Challenge with the potential to put up a single season Bing Bong record if the Tuesday night games go his way. So far, Mike is eleven and five on the week. So Mike went one on one on the Tuesday night game. So that was updated. So Mike went eleven and five. 
this week, which includes hitting his Coney Island double dog in back-to-back weeks, giving Mike 650 bing bongs for the week. So he didn't break the record. I think I had a 770 week. And I did not end up doing so good this week. Uh, I ended up going eight and eight, and that led me to having negative 170 bing bongs for the week. So I think that puts me 1,030 bing bongs, and I didn't do the math on mics yet. So keep up with the Twitter or at our website, and you will see the update of bing bong counts. Um, but yeah, Mike, how does it feel to be a farting genius this week? It feels good. I have these weeks. I have these weeks where I like hit everything. And then I have weeks where I miss them all. Yeah. The one thing I'm impressed with though, is like, if anybody actually has been like following along and betting some of our game, the consensus picks actually have been kind of high. Like we're both above money. If you took everything that you took, you're up units. 100%. Oh yeah. Right. That's what bing bongs are. Better than games. If you took everything that I have, you're you're up as well. Even if you had a couple bad weeks, you'd be up overall. Which, yeah. if you're gambling, that's all you can hope for, really. Yeah, especially if you're gambling on Andrew gambling on every game. Yeah, yeah, that's you're tough having, to do. You're having fun. You're making every game interesting, and you're winning bing bongs along the way. So we are going to start. I'm going to go through the games, the order we had them in. I know COVID messed up the order of the game. So we're just going to stick to what we got. So first game we had was Chiefs minus three at the Chargers. Chiefs win 34 to 28, and we both won the big box. Now this is a game we wanted to touch on the analytics side of things. Um, I mean, the Chargers put up a good fight, taking that one to OT. But, man, it seemed like they should have won that game if they would have just – they felt like the better team. They yeah, felt like the better team right up until the end of that game. Yeah. Then Kelsey came out and just had a game. And that was that was Mike's. He hammered that one in there in the realm of fantasy eight. That was the reason I didn't have to give out any HJs, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I forgot to add. Um, we got a new segment that's just going to roll into this segment. It's going to be called PJs and BJs. Mike, Mike really wanted PJ's BJ's in there and what the BJ. So it's going to be Pat Jerome's best job of the game. So I'm going to give out the, the player who I think did the best job that game. So PJ's BJ for this game goes to uh, Kelsey on this one. I think that was a no brainer. He's getting the BJ for that one. You got anything else out of that game other than questionable analytical calls and no, I mean, so they looked like the better. Uh, Herbert looked like Brett Favre. He's like, three guys. Let me just chuck it as hard as I can. A couple times he just just Brett Favre it. I'm gonna throw it right through a defender. It's yeah. nice to see. It, it is nice to see because, like, like I've been jumping back on the Chiefs bandwagon and making it clear that I don't think that that's uh, anything crazy that I'm doing, but I do think the Chiefs are the best team. In the AFC, and I do think they should have got beat by the Chargers that game. So, so that being said, we're going to roll into the next game we had, which ended up, I think, being on Monday. Yeah, it rolled to Monday night, and we have the Raiders at the Browns. This line swung like crazy, but when we had it, it was the Browns minus six. I think it ended up being the Browns plus two. 
But anyways, the Raiders win that game 16 to 14. Mike had his money on the Raiders. I had it on the Browns and Mike won. I lost. Yeah. So that was a COVID game. So Mayfield was out. Case Keenum was up. Case Keenum, their backup. He's got one of the best lines ever. He like, they asked him what they thought about like Nick Chubb being behind him. He, he said something like, it'll be really good to have a full Chubb behind. <laughs> yeah, that is good. Mayfield tweeted out like Nicholas, whatever his middle name is, Chubb. And Keenum goes, oh, yeah, that's a full Chubb. That's the boy right there. Yeah, he played well. But that was during did, the game. He did not get the BJ for that game. So, so PJ's BJ is going to go out to Dan Carlson. He hit some big kicks. I think he had a 53 yarder and a 58 yarder in that game. And oh, nice. He clutched up when they needed him. So, Dan Carlson, you're the kicker getting the BJ. I think I got another uh, kicker getting a BJ this week. The best job. <laughs> you're all about giving kickers <laughs> BJs. Oh, yeah. All right, we'll roll in the next one. Patriots at the Colts. Colts were minus two. We were both pretty wise at this one. Both picked the Colts. Colts win 27-17. Both of us win. Um, yeah, it looked like Wentz pooped his pants. He went five for 12, and he threw a huge pick to let the Patriots back in the game. But thankfully, they didn't uh, – well, I don't know. Thankfully, if you're a Colts fan, they didn't, they didn't capitalize on that one. But, yeah, other than that, Jonathan Taylor – Continues to run wild. Just an absolute farting monster, Mike would say. He's awesome. He takes that, his last carry for, what, 70 yards or something? Yeah, he closed that one out. Um, yeah, no, I definitely, after re-watching that one, I like your Super Bowl pick a lot because their defense looks pretty nasty. They can run the ball. Carson Wentz is competent when he's not pooping his pants. He's, they should be, they should have the same attitude about Wentz after a five game or five passes in a game as they did about Mac. Right? So I, you don't get the same attitude. No, because Carson Wentz is like a, a veteran quarterback that played at a really high level that there's something weird about him. He walks on the sideline like he's got a turd in his pants. Like... <laughs> Just, I think he boops his pants during the game, and it affects his ability to throw the ball. His coach doesn't even trust him to throw the ball. That's the issue. Is that he only takes five fixes? But I mean, when you got Jonathan Taylor running the ball like that, like I don't know. Like they, it was smart to me. Like, yeah, they won the game. What am I bitching about? They won the game, and I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. Belichick doesn't trust Mac, and I wouldn't say that Reich doesn't trust Wentz. I think that that's what the game plan needed. And Mac went out there and slung the ball. I think he had like 48 attempts or some shit like that. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I mean, think if you put it in his if you put it in his hands, right now it's going to be very hard for him to win a game. Right? They have a good team. Sadly enough, I would like him to fail. I don't like the fact that I want that, but I know that it's true. Yeah. Right. You, I don't want to see him succeed. You got some wounds that just just are never going to heal. Well, um, they might heal, but they're not going to heal right now. It's the same, but it's the same attitude I have towards like Tom Brady. Yeah. Right. I don't want to dislike him. I think that he's like relatively cool, but like 
when I watch a game that he's playing in, it's very, very hard for me to root for. I can't figure out why I want I root against him consistently. I just know that I do. And right now, Max a plus player, right? So you wouldn't like want to get rid of him. Not at but, all. But I don't think he's ready to lead your team to wins. He's making sure that he's not costing wins. You know, yeah, I, he think, makes the, I think when you're a rookie, that that's kind of your job. Yeah, and that's leading your team to win by yeah. by not messing up. But anyways, uh, my BJ is going to go out to Jonathan Taylor for sure. Best job in that game went to Jonathan Taylor. No doubt about it. Next game we have on the docket was Panthers at Bills. Um, we both saw this one coming. Bills win 31 to 14. Bills were minus 10 and a half, and we both won. Um, I don't got much to say about that. My BJ goes out to Allen because I was too lazy to look into it. And he had a good game. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see any of that game. That was an expected game for me. Yeah. That's what I thought would happen. Yeah, we had a for sure playoff team against a for sure not playoff team, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. Next game we had was even more of a shit bowl. We had the Texans at Jaguars. Jaguars were minus three. Texans win 30 to 16. Mike wins the bing bongs by taking the Texans, and I lost the bing bongs by taking the Jags. Um, my BJ goes out to Brandon Cooks. Um, that's another game I didn't dive too deep into because these teams seem very irrelevant to me. Yeah, who cares? I mean, outside of the fact that the Jaguars are a dumpster fire with their coaching situation, I don't know if you saw any of that stuff. Guys kicking dudes, getting fired. Yeah. Outside uh, of that, there's no reason to even talk about the Jags. Yeah, and I've, I've been missing all the extra little stuff. Like, when I seen there was two games on Tuesday nights, I was like, I mean, I was pretty sure it was because of COVID, but, like, I was like, I, I don't know what's going on. But right. we will skip past that one. So, next one, we had the Titans were minus two at the Steelers. I thought that was a trap, uh, and I was right. Steelers win 19-13. to 13. I won the bing-bongs on that one. Mike loses. Uh, defensive battle, both teams have good defense, and both teams seem to be pretty one-dimensional on offense, which I don't think either of those teams are getting too far once they if, – if Pittsburgh makes the playoffs and once the Titans make the playoffs. If Henry's back, that changes what the Titans are, especially offensively. Like they become exceptionally good because of an exceptionally good player, and he has to be back at full strength. You're, you're so, right about that. Yeah, they, they get kind of cold. So, yeah, that, they, yeah, if they get Derrick Henry back, I, I think I would put them with the Colts in having a shot. But outside of that, if they if he's not back for the first playoff game, I would have serious doubts that they win that game. Okay. Yeah. All right, my BJ in that one goes out to TJ. Um just because we had the long Wisconsin conversation, he ended up with a sack and a fumble recovery. A sack and a half and a fumble recovery. So, so TJ, you're getting, TJ, you're getting that BJ. So next one is kind of a wild game. Um, score I didn't expect. Uh, so we have the Cardinals minus 13 and a half at the Lions. Lions end up winning that one 30 to 12. Mike thought that was too many points. He was right. 
And I thought the Cardinals were going to kick the living shit out of them, but looked like Pretty, the line wasn't that were, my double dog. Wasn't no, that my double dog? No, no. I'm just kidding. That, that would have been an amazing double dog. Yeah, um, that would have been extreme, right? Yeah, Goff had a hell of a game. He gets my BJ. Um, I don't know if you got much more to add to that Cardinals game, but, but yeah, that that was a surprise to me. Outside of the fact that it was stunning that probably the best team, second best team in the NFC gets trounced by quite possibly the worst team in the league. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't say that because they've been in a lot of games where like the Jags are not in a lot of games, right? They won a couple, but they're not in games. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. They're, they're damn close to the worst team, if not the worst team, but – but yeah, so my BJ is going to go out to Jared Goff. All right, next thing we got on the dock is we had Jets at the Dolphins. Dolphins were minus eight and a half. Dolphins win 31 to 24. We were both on the Dolphins. We thought that was going to be shit kicking, uh, but the Jets kept it within seven and we both lose. Um, I think that just shows how average the Dolphins really are. And honestly, if you look at their schedule, I mean, they're they're hot right now, but they're hot against bad teams. So. Yeah, so that's that's probably fair. I do think that winning division games, no matter how much you win by, is big. If you look at the Packer game, I get that it was fifteen against the Bears, but that game was way closer than it should have. Yeah, and that I think in large part that is due to the fact that it's a division game. Yeah, and yeah, it's the NFL. So I mean. That, that's kind of a harsh thing, though, but I did go through and watch that game, and the Dolphins are not not very impressive. So that's what okay. I took out of that. So my uh, best job goes to Duke Johnson. He had a good game. Good game on the ground. Haven't heard that name in a little while. So, so Duke, you're getting a BJ. Uh, <laughs> so so next, next game we're going to roll <laughs> into is – Cowboys were minus 10 and a half of the Giants. Cowboys win 21 to six, uh, handled the Giants like they should have. My BJ goes to the Dallas defense for, man, they're pretty op- or opportunistic. Like, I, I think that, I think the Cowboys could be deadly. I swing back and forth on them every week, but I'm going to say they're deadly again. When their defense creates that opportunity, then they win. And when he, they don't create that opportunity, they don't win as much. That's what it kind of comes down to for me. Um, they're playing a bad team. Bad teams give those opportunities away. Good teams don't. Hopefully, if they match up with the Packers in the playoffs, having a quarterback who protects the ball better than almost every quarterback that ever existed should help. You know, yeah, not not even almost. He does. Like it's just it's just the truth. Um, yeah. So next thing we got, we have Bengals at the Broncos. Broncos were minus one and a half. Mike took the Bengals to win as his double dog, and the Bengals win 15 to 10. We both ended up winning that, but Mike eats the double dog on that one. You got anything for that game? No. So I just – the Bengals are – they w- win some games they shouldn't, and they lose some games they shouldn't. This was a game I thought they should win, right? Yeah, but because of what they did previous to this, and they lost a few of those games, they were dogs. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I think that you just don't know what to think out of those AFC North teams. If you've been listening in the past, I keep getting the AFC North and the NFC North mixed up. I don't actually mix them up. It's just in my head. I say the wrong thing. But AFC North, I don't know what to think of pretty much any team in there. Kind of a crapshoot going forward. Uh, Broncos offense just stinks. And, yeah, I don't know what to think of the Bengals. Uh, my BJ is going to go out to another kicker. So we got two kickers getting BJs this week and Evan McPherson going three for three, hitting two 50-yard field goals. So maybe that was the two 50-yard field goals. So the last so – uh, He only went three for – and then they got a touchdown and tried to go for two, missed it? Yep, exactly. Okay. okay. Yep, they tried to take a seven-point lead um, and couldn't get it. So next game, we had Falcons at the 49ers. Niners were minus eight and a half. We both took the Niners. Niners win 31 to 13. Nothing too surprising there. My BJ is going to go out to Jeff Jeff Wilson Jr. because I didn't know who he was before this game. He played well. There you go. So the Falcons beat up on teams that ain't good. They beat those teams. They win those games. And they get trounced by anybody who's got any talent. Yeah. I, I think there's there's definitely a class in the NFC. Like the Packers, even in I think my unbiased opinion, sit at a little level above your Buccaneers, your Cardinals. And then I think it drops off even more. And then I, I'm missing some teams, so so people are probably gonna be. Fired up emailing me Dal- this Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. yeah, Dallas. And then, then I think it drops down to you. you got your 49ers, you got your Vikings, the, the team's scrapping for those last playoff spots. Um, but yeah, for, 49ers are a solid team, Falcons are just hammered. 49ers are solid, but they're not great either. No, no, but I, that, that's what I think the Vikings are too. It's just a solid team. All right, we are going to do the Packers minute, and we're going to try to take almost literally five minutes to do the Packers game because I think a lot happened. Packers were minus five at the Ravens. Uh, Packers win 31 to 30, and we both lose because we pick the Packers every week. Um, I'm going to give some love to, to the Ravens right away, and Mark Andrews is a scary motherfucker. And I think Huntley, I think I think he might actually be good. Um, he he scared me a little bit in that game. So I think that Huntley is good, right? So he's good until you get tape on it. He's Colin Kaepernick, um, Vince Young. They're the guys that make all their plays when they're rolling out of the pocket. Those guys don't last. Hell of a backup quarterback to have on your team. Though. Especially if you have Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I'm not saying he's bad. And I'm not saying he can't develop into something better than what he's playing as right now. But he understands what his role is. He plays it very well. And he is way more effective if he bounces out of the pocket and keeps his eyes downfield. Yeah. And I, I, that being said, like, I think the Ravens do a great job of getting a quarterback on a team where they don't have to completely change uh, the playbook when Lamar Jackson goes down. They, like, yeah. they, they do a, a good job planning for a QB that 
biggest threat is running the ball to get hurt and for them to, to, I mean, you're obviously going to miss a beat when Jackson goes down, but, but they don't, they miss a half a beat instead of a full beat with, with yeah. these backup quarterbacks that they sign. Um, this is another game where the analytics, like I, I was just blown away by like the unwillingness to take field goals. Like when, when they weren't, they weren't producing on fourth down. Even when it came to the two point conversion, I thought I was going to be eating my words, but I was telling my friends, like, I was like, because one of them called it, they were like, he's going for two if, if they score the touchdown to make it 30 to 31. They're definitely going for two. And I was like, I hope they do. But then, like, once the play was actually going on, I was like, ah, I don't know about this. But, but yeah, then it turned out they, yeah. But the that Packers read that pretty well. So they, like. Oh, it was going it to Andrews no matter what. Like, that's. Yeah, was it playing. Savage that just closed on that? Like, he sees that Andrews is cut into the sideline, and he just covers it. God, he's a monster, though. I, I like that. Yeah, he's very good. But, yeah. He, he had a hell of a game. Um, but, yeah, I think the Packers just proved, though, like, like so they're playing in Baltimore. I, I think they could have won it by a little bit more. But whatever, like, uh, kind of backtracking on I, I think the Ravens could have easily won that game, but Packers take advantage of the breaks they're given. Having Jones and Dylan in the backfield is – He's just like such a crazy benefit to have. Jones was making plays in the passing game that the touchdown catch that he had, um, even when when Adams is getting doubled for a whole game, he finds a way to score a touchdown. Just, just a great team, I think, like all around. And it's going to be very disappointing if the Packers don't make it to the Super Bowl. It's disappointing uh, every year, Pat. That, that is true. It was very disappointing last year, but but my BJ is going out to Aaron Rodgers. You are the absolute man. You you get the best job of the game. And that would give you a real BJ too. If you really <laughs> a real best job. Slap him on the back, Tom. That's the best job I've ever seen a quarterback do ever. So good job on getting the best job, Aaron Rodgers. Um, next game we get into was another. Weird one, I thought. We have the Saints and the Buccaneers. Buccaneers were minus 11. Saints won that game nine to nothing. Both of us thought the Bucs were just going to whoop the shit out of the Saints uh, by more than 11. And, yeah, uh, I'm not going to lie. I did not see much of that game. I tried to watch it real quick. Uh, got a little bored, but I was absolutely shocked by the score. I was hoping that there's, like, a blueprint out on the Bucs. But I highly doubt it. I think it's like what you were saying with the divisional games. Um, but the Saints go into Tampa and do that to them. Like that is just confusing to me. So I think there's been a blueprint on how to beat Tom Brady for 15 years. And if you can rush the passer effectively with four guys, you can beat him. Yeah. I think that's a blueprint on like almost. Yep. But. That's the only blueprint that I've ever seen on Brady. I don't think anybody beats him blitzing him. Now, what I saw was Gronk dropped a lot of passes. And I shouldn't say dropped because they were like 
well defended. However, these are catches he usually makes. Yeah. And then the second half, like you don't have the opportunity at the comeback as well because you lose Evans, Godwin, and Format Beck. So the comeback is hard. But you had all those guys in the first half, didn't score a touchdown, didn't get a field goal. So injuries and okay, game makes a little bit more sense to me. Um, like and I said, I tried the Saints I tried have to only the Saints have played them very, very well defensively since Brady got two. Yeah, all of last year too. So maybe not as big of a surprise as it should be, but like Bucks getting shut up. Yeah, surprised the shit out of me. Yeah, uh, you ain't wrong. Yeah. So our next game, we're going to go to another game I didn't get to see too much of. We had the Vikings minus three and a half at the Bears. Vikings win 17 to nine. Uh, we both had them both win. What I got for my notes right here is ask Mike about this one. PJ's BJ goes out to the Bears still sucking. Good job, Bears. Best job I've seen. I didn't have the opportunity to watch this game. I was kind of following it on Twitter. Cousins does some stupid shit, which is exactly why I would like him to play just a little bit better than he usually does. Sign another contract with Minnesota for about six, seven years so that the pack can continue running the north. That's kind of my narrative around the Vikings. Is just play well enough that you want to sign Cousins again. That's, yeah. that's, my, that's my only hope in all of football right now, is the, the Vikings sign Cousins again. Yeah, and that's, yeah, kind of the Vikings and Bears killing themselves is the story of that game. Um, we are going to absolutely fly through these ones because I know you didn't watch them because we've been doing the interview with Keel. So yeah. Seahawks at Rams minus six and a half. Uh, Mike wins, or Rams win 20 to 10. Mike wins, Pat loses. Football team at Eagles. Eagles were minus four when we got them. I know these lines probably swang all over the place because of COVID. Uh, Eagles win 27-17. I think we both lost, right? We both were on the football team in that one when that line I, came up. Yeah, yeah. I, Hertz, I know I'm right. I think Hurts had a pretty big game from what I saw. But anyways, wrapping that all up, Mike had a huge week. Mike goes 11-5, wins 650 bing bongs, hits his double dog. My double dog was the Seattle. I thought Seattle was going to be the Rams. I was stupid. And lost my double dog, Mike. I think I just said it's up 650 on the week, and I am down minus 170 on the week. But I still hold the lead in the Bing Bong department totals, and those totals will be coming to you on Twitter. So keep following us on Twitter. Yeah, if you got anything to say, I think we got Keel. I don't know his Twitter tag. Um, if you want to talk some shit to him after the interview, do it. Um, talk he doesn't engage too much in Twitter. Yeah. Just Twitter either, do I. either do I. I still don't even get how Twitter fully works. I'm pretty sure I'm responding to the wrong things, like to the wrong people, but I'm figuring it okay. out. I'm figuring it out. Yeah. All right. This one's going long. So we're going to roll right into our picks for the next week. And I have all my picks done, surprisingly. So, so this is going to be on mic this week. So I'm going to lead off. First game we got is a Thursday night game. We have the 49ers minus three and a half at the Titans. I am taking the 49ers minus three and a half. I'm on the Titans. Uh, all right, Mike takes his home dog. 
All right. So Mike's kicking this one back. We got Browns at Packers. Packers are minus eight at home. Lambles. Packers 35-17. Packers 35-17. I didn't put a score, so I don't know. Um, but I don't want to completely. So I'm going to say 28-10. What's your score again? 35-17. We could take the over-under or something on it too, I suppose. Yeah, I don't got that up right now, but but I bet you it's right around 42, 43. Yeah. So I would be over, you'd be under. Yeah, we'll see. Um, like I said, I, I don't got that one up. I don't want to take more time to look it up. Uh, so next game we got, you led that one. So we got Colts at Cardinals. Cardinals are minus one at home. And I'm taking the Cardinals because I think that's a trap and a half. I got the Colts, double dog. Colts and the DD. Yeah. So we are stamping that DD. So why do you think that's a trap game? Just because I think I think people are going to be hammering the Colts. Like that's that's my first thought process is that that Cardinals coming off getting their ass kicked to the Lions. Colts coming off being a good Patriots team. You see that line? Like, I I feel like it's a trap because I feel like it should be the Colts minus three. So I think there's somebody out there that knows something I don't know. Oh. And that's why I'm, that's why I'm calling it a trap. Um, you're going to leave this one off back. We have Lions at Falcons. Falcons are minus four. The Falcons are minus four. At home against the Lions. Okay, I have the wrong line. You might have the right line, but that's fine. What did you have? For I will take, I'm going to take the Falcons. All right, Falcons. I'm taking the Falcons as well. Uh, next game we got is Giants at Eagles. Eagles are minus 10. I am giving the points. I'm taking the Eagles. I got the Eagles too. All right, Eagles, Eagles. All right, Mike's kicking this one back. Jaguars at Jets. Minus, Jets are minus two. I got the Jags plus two. It. I got the Jags plus two as well. And that is my double dog right there. Oh. Yeah, I get ri- I get risky with my double dogs. You take those, those nice, easy to eat double dogs. I like the double dogs with all, all it's a the two point, it's a two-point swing here, man. Yeah. You're not taking a plus 10. Yeah, but that being said, though, like I think picking the Jaguars to win a game. After all that shit. That's fair. Is it? All right. So next game, we have Bucks minus 10 and a half at the Panthers. I'm going Bucks. I got the Bucks too. All right. Bucks, Bucks. All right. Mike's kicking this one back. Chargers minus 10 at the Texans. What you got? I got the Chargers. I got the Chargers as well. Keep rolling. Um, next game, I'll kick it back. Bills at Patriots. Patriots are minus two and a half. I got the Patriots. I got the Bills. I knew you did. I didn't even have to ask. I already have that one highlighted. Uh, next game, we got Rams minus three at the Vikings. Who you got? I got the Rams. Rams. And I went Vikings. So, so I'm not that biased, guys. Uh, so next game, we got Ravens at Bengals. Bengals are minus two and a half. And I have... No clue who to pick 
but I am going with the Bengals because I picked them to win the North. So I got Bengals minus two and a half at home. I have the, I have the Bengals minus two and a half as well. I had the Ravens written down initially. Changed my mind. Did you get a line for this Bears at Seahawks game? Because I had any. I, I got seven. Seven to the Seahawks. So Seahawks minus seven. I'll let you lead that off then. I'm going to take the Hawks. Hawks minus seven. Yeah, that's kind of what I would expect that line to be. And I'm going to copy on that one because I already had in my head I was taking the Hawks, no matter what the line was. Um, next game, we got Broncos at Raiders. Raiders are minus one. And I'm going to quit hating on the Raiders, and I'm going to take the Raiders minus one. I got the Broncos. I've been a Raiders apologist for weeks. Yeah, I know. You flipped the script on me. All right, so now next thing we got is Steelers at Chiefs. Chiefs are minus 10 at Arrowhead. Oh, good. I got the Steelers. You got the Steelers. Look at us just flipping scripts. I got the Chiefs on that one. I tend to take the Steelers. I feel like they've won me a lot of bing bongs in the past. The Steelers? Yeah, yep. I've rolled them on a couple hot streaks. All right, next thing we got, football team at the Cowboys. Cowboys are minus 10 and a half, and I'm going with the football team. So, yeah, I'm flipping the script on myself even. I'm going with the football team too. I think there's no chance. Yeah, divisional game, like we were saying. Uh, I mean, the Cowboys. There's no chance they beat them by 10. That's my thing. Okay, because, I mean. It's not there's no chance they beat them. Yeah, football team's got a better defense than the Giants. So, so yeah. So, that divisional game, I think the the Giants are hammered dog shit and the Cowboys are good. This one, I think uh, football team is just like maybe a turd from a dog that you'd see on the side of the sidewalk. That's not that bad. Doesn't stink that bad. Um, all right. So, next game, I'm going to kick it back. This must be the Monday Nighter Dolphins at Saints. Saints are minus three. And I'm going with the Dolphins. Oh, Mm -hmm. I'm on the Dolphins too. All right. So there's a lot of consensus picks. Honestly, guys, the consensus has been hot. Um, We'll have these picks out on Twitter. Hopefully you can do what you want. Do what you will. All right. We're rolling right into the Rumpel Fantasy 8. And after whooping some ass last week, listen up, kids. Listen to who Mike has got. Mike had one competitor send me an email saying, I think I know what's up, but man, uh, that R underscore Olsen 23 just got his ass absolutely handed to him. I think, I think, I think he might be in the hospital right now, but I don't know. Because that was not even close. You're a genius, Mike. Uh, yeah, apparently. All right. That has not been the consensus for my fantasy for the last uh, <laughs> the, this year. Very often. Injured last. All right. Who'd you got a quarterback? Josh Allen. Bills are facing the Patriots. I think he's got something to prove after that rough game the first go around. All right, Josh Allen, first Patriots. Gotcha. Keep rolling. John Taylor, 
versus the Cardinals. All right, Jonathan Taylor. Next, you got awesome excellence, Austin Eckler. Chargers are at the Texans. Oh, yeah. Awesome excellence. All right. We're probably going to get nine TDs. Nine TDs out of Austin Eckler. You heard it here first. All right. Uh, J- Jamar Chase, he had like two catches against the Broncos last week. Yeah. They're going to come out and they're going to just dominate the Ravens. Yeah. Jamar Chase can't do that two weeks in a row. No, rivalry game. He's, he's out for blood. All right. Next wide receiver. Uh, Stefan Diggs. Double points. Diggs. I think Can't the Bills uh, prove something here. Yeah, we'll see. In New England. All right. Who you got for tight end? I'm riding the same guy. This is the dumbest pick I could have. There's no way he has two weeks where he's got 190 yards, two touchdowns, but I'm taking Kelsey. All right. <laughs> Didn't fail you last week. Bless you, Mike. Defense. Rams. Rams. I'm going to go up. So you got Rams at the Vikings. Okay. All right. Who you got for a kicker? Zerloin. Zerloin. I don't know how to spell that, but I know who you're talking about. Greg the Leg. Yeah, just put Greg the Leg up. Greg the Leg. I like that even better. Greg the Third Leg. Heard that guy has an absolute hammer. All right. So that is the team <laughs> to beat this week. Um, I think we're going to try, once I get back from Brazil, to, to set up something on DraftKings or something along the lines where we set up a league with our rules where it's no salary cap, just pick the best team you got. Um, and we are going to buy you a sundrop if you beat Mike. And Mike's going to buy you breakfast at Hardy's if you get a perfect team. Breakfast at Hardee's with, with a little little extra fun in the morning. Get your day started right with Mike at Hardee's. All right, that's all I got for the show. You got anything to add here at the end? Nope. Uh, if you guys are enjoying listening to it, we appreciate that you're listening to it. Keep it up. Let some people know. If you hate listening, re-download it. Listen to it again. You'll probably change your mind next week. Yeah. So if you like it, you might change your mind next week as well. But yeah, no, like no. <laughs> but but yes, thank you for the support. Um, I'm assuming this one's gonna run a little bit long as well. So if you're still listening at this point, we really appreciate the support. Yeah, add us at uh at banging underscore drum on Twitter or at MJ Doherty, or you can go at Pat underscore Jerome. 22. I won't respond to you, but you can try. That's a challenge. We'll get Keel's thing thrown on there because I think he gave a lot of good info. So if, if you disagree with anything, I'm sure he's got his guns rocked, cocked, ready to go. And he, he was very well informed. So uh, shout out to him. Thanks for coming on. Um, like we said, If you have anything you think you can add to the show and you want to come on, run the idea by us. Uh, Keel ran this idea by Mike. I said, all right, it sounds good to me. Had no clue what he was going to bring to the table, but 
I learned a lot. Uh, I'm going to listen to this again because my eyes kind of went foggy with uh, information. And he gave me the guys to watch out for and a good breakdown on that recruiting stuff. And Pat's got a new favorite tight end from the Badgers now. Yep, and I don't even know his name. So I'm going to (laughs) re-listen, learn his name again. And like I said, thanks for listening. And as always, all you suckers that doubted the Packers can eat my shorts. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shorts. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shorts. Eat em. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shorts. Eat my shorts.